Well, good morning, Hope. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. Today we're diving into the Ten Commandments, which are God's rules for a full and a free life. And uh, the reason why we're diving into those is because uh, we're in this series called Here We Stand. And in the series, we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation of the Church, which is a huge deal, uh, as Pastor Ben earlier, said earlier in the service, is a huge deal, uh, not just to, uh, to Lutherans, but really to everybody. It changed the course of human history, and there's so much uh, richness there and so much for us to learn there. And so what we're doing is we're doing a 10-week confirmation refresher. Some of you, you grew up Lutheran, or maybe you grew up Catholic or Presbyterian or some, somewhere, and you went through confirmation, and you learned kind of the basics of the faith. Maybe you learned the Ten Commandments and, and uh, the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed, and maybe you had to recite them. So we're going to go one by one and have each of you recite them. No, I'm just kidding. No tests. We're not going to do that. Don't worry about it. No, no anxiety here. It's going to be just fine. Uh, but we are going to do a refresher. And if you, uh, maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you're a little skeptical of Christianity or religion or the rules that the religions have, uh, which is very understandable. A lot of people feel that way these days. You picked a great day to be in church uh, because what I've noticed and what many of the pastors here on staff have noticed is that when it comes to the Ten Commandments, when it comes to the rules, it's actually where people get tripped up and confused about Christianity the most. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But to do a quick refresher, what are God's top 10? Uh, there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament, so that's a lot of rules. Uh, but God sort of gives us the table of contents. He gives us the top 10 uh, in the Ten Commandments. So let's just review them together very quickly. Uh, God's top 10. Uh, the first one is, let's say it out loud, one, two, three. No other gods. Let's do number two. Number two is? Honor God's name. Number three is? Keep the Sabbath holy. Now, the first three commandments have to do with your relationship with God. God cares about your relationship with him. The last seven have to do with your relationship with other people. Shows you how much God cares about your relationship with other people as well. So let's look at number four. Let's read it out loud together. It is? And now all the parents looked at their kids and did this. Honor your parents, right? Uh, and then number five. That's a good one to, to follow. How about number six? Don't sleep around. That's, that's not good for anyone. Number seven. Don't steal. It's a bad idea. Number eight. Especially if it's about your neighbor. God really doesn't like that. Number nine. Don't covet their stuff. If there's like a house or a car or, or something like that that your neighbor has, if you're like jealous of that, it's not good for your heart. And the 10th one is very, very similar. And it's more than just their spouse. It's any relationship that they might have. God cares that you're not living in jealousy, but in gratitude and in freedom. But here's the deal. A lot of people get very confused about Christianity and maybe frustrated in, with Christianity because they look at a list like this and, and they think a, one of a couple things. There, a lot of people are like the orphans from that clip in Despicable Me. They hear all these rules and they think that they're ridiculous or they're impossible or they're just uh, uh, so, so hard or maybe they're just so old and antiquated. And how could this actually apply to our life today? I mean, wasn't that for a particular people at a particular time? And most people think that God is like Gru from Despicable Me. But the truth is that he, he's not. 
That's not the God of the Bible. See, most people think that the, when it comes to the commandments, they think about it in one of two ways. One is this, it's either comply or die. God's kind of wagging his finger at you and saying, you better do this or you're going to burn. And some of us grew up hearing preaching like that in different churches. Let me just say, sorry, that should never have happened. That's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, instead, it teaches something way, way better. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the one that a lot of us the category a lot of us fall into is, is we think, oh, well, these ten, ten Commandments, they're just polite suggestions. God was kind of like just giving us like guidelines that are really flexible to however we're feeling at that point in time in our life or that point in time in culture. Uh, they, they're just kind of polite suggestions. But here's the deal. That's not biblical either. It's not. God wasn't joking when he gave the Ten Commandments and he didn't just give them to the Israelites 4,000 years ago. No, he, he gave them for all people in all places in all times because they're his rules for living a full and a free life. Here's the mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people think that God wants something from you. He wants compliance or he wants you to just be a good person. But God doesn't need anything from you. In fact, instead, God wants something for you. And I want to talk about that. We're going to focus today on the first three commandments, your relationship with God. And to get into that, I, I want to share uh, with you a little something that happens in our house uh, pretty regularly. When Michelle and I have uh, a night that's free, we don't have anything going on. Sometimes that doesn't happen very frequently because uh, I, I work with high school students and every Wednesday night we have ignition in here and it's so much fun with high school students and, and it's awesome. Uh, and by the way, shameless plug, uh, if you're a high school student, you should come. If you're not a high school student and you're older than a high school student, you should volunteer. We need your help. It's going to be awesome. Shameless plug. Anyway, this is what happens at our house when we have a free night. We make dinner because we like to cook and eat good food. And, uh, and then we like to watch Netflix. How many of you uh, like The Office? Anybody like that show? Okay, yeah, that's one of our shows. Uh, Friends, anybody watch Friends? Yeah, those are my people. You are my people right there. I love it. Uh, okay, and there's lots of other shows that, that we really like to just share together. Now, this is an ideal night, okay? This is the way that it should go. We would eat our dinner that we made and we would clean up all the dishes and then we would turn on Netflix, right? But do you want to know how it actually goes in our house? Almost every time. We know this is the right way. We know this is best, but this is what we actually do. We, do, we eat and we take our food and we sit down on the couch and we watch, you know, one episode and then it gets to the end of that episode and then it's like the countdown to the next one. We're like, uh, okay, one more, one more. We'll do one more, okay. And, and so we watch Netflix and you know what, what goes in this blank? It's not dishes, it's more Netflix, right? That's, that's how it goes. When you put Netflix before the dishes, it just turns into more Netflix. That's just, that's just how it goes in our house. Maybe it's the same in your house. And, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because what you put first impacts the rest, right? What you put first impacts the rest. Nothing wrong with Netflix. Netflix is great. We love Netflix. But sometimes it makes our kitchen look like this, Right? This isn't really our kitchen. It's just a photo from Google Images, okay? Uh, but uh, sometimes it looks similar to that, so you can pray for us. Uh, now, let's go, can we go back to that, that slide just a second? Go back one. Which one of these do you think brings peace? Which one? It's the first one, right? And we know that, but sometimes we're just like, oh, it's just a long day. We just, we're just so tired, and we just need to sit down with our stir-fry or our burritos, and we need to just... 
veg on some friends, right? We just, we just need that. And that's the thing that will make us feel better. And then, then we look like this messy kitchen. Uh, this, this next slide right here, yeah. And you know, it's cute when it's your kitchen, but it's not so cute when it's your finances. And it's not so cute when it's your marriage. And it's not so cute when it's your kids. And it's not so cute when it's your life, right? It's not so cute when our, our careers start to look like this messy sink because we, we put things in the wrong order. It's not so cute, is it? Because what we put first, it impacts the rest. And I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence because most of us know what our priorities should be. Most of us know that. The hard thing is actually doing it. And the reason why it's hard is because our hearts are drawn to things that are going to make us feel better, make us feel more comforted, make us feel happier, quicker, right? And in fact, Martin Luther, the guy that we took, uh, took our name from as a church, he wrote a little book called The Small Catechism. And in that, he put the Ten Commandments and what they mean and, and all of that. He put uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. He put um, the Apostles' Creed and all the basics of the Christian faith that he wanted parents to be able to take this little booklet and teach it to to their kids. By the way, he believes something that we believe wholeheartedly here at Hope. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you guys are the primary faith nurturers of your children. Primary faith nurturers. You are their pastor before me. You are their pastor before me. Your influence is greater. If I'm lucky, I'll get your high schooler for maybe about 40-ish hours out of the whole year, unless they come on a retreat with us, which they totally should. It makes it awesome and they love it. Uh, but you get over, you get thousands of hours with them. Your influence is huge. It's huge. You're the primary faith nurturers of, of your children. And he wrote the small catechism so parents could teach their kids the faith. He also wrote a larger one. Uh, that's more extensive and uh, has some more detail in it. And this is what he said. He was talking about the things that our hearts are drawn to. And he says, anything on which your heart relies and depends, I say that is really your God. That's an interesting thought. Because the truth is, a lot of us, we really rely on our screens, you know, we really rely on them. You know when you get bored or maybe you're a little depressed or, or whatever it might be and you just pull out Facebook or you pull out Instagram or Snapchat and you, you're just kind of scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through and you're like, okay, this isn't healthy. Maybe I should move on to something else. Oh, a cat video, you know? And you just keep, you just keep on going and then you're like, okay, I should stop. And then 10 minutes later, when you get bored again, where are you? Facebook, I do it too. And it's almost like we're, we're trapped by it. For some of us, it's not our screens that, that we look to uh, and rely on and depend on. For some of us, it's, it's our money. And I don't want to insult your intelligence. I know most of you already know that money isn't what's going to make you happy and full in life. But let me just gently ask you the question. What occupies the majority of your calendar? Is it the pursuit of money? What occupies the majority of your mind lately? Where do, you, where do you look to for comfort? Where do you look to for happiness and joy? Is money sitting on the throne of your heart? For some of us, it's not money. It's, it's actually approval. Uh, this is the one for me. I, I'll just be honest with you. I just want people to like me, okay? Uh, and I know most people do, but like I really want people to like me. And, uh, and so 
for me, it, it can kind of trap me because sometimes I'll get someone to like me, you know, I'll impress them or something like that. And they'll be like, wow, Nick is awesome. But then I have to maintain that, you know, like, because what if I said something that would cause them to not like me anymore? Then I'd be in big trouble. Or what do I do with the people that don't like me? Because there's some of you that are like, I like Pastor Mike better. Like, I like him better too, okay? I really do. Uh, he, he's awesome. And, and, and I'll tell you what, that there's so many, there's so many times when I find myself just almost worshiping approval, right? And I, I don't, I don't want to think that any of us, like, we open up our closets and we have a little stack of money and we get down on our knees and chant before the, a pile of cash. But who, who in here doesn't have something that our heart longs for other than God? We all have that thing. But what you put first, it impacts the rest. For some of you, it's your kids. Some of you, it's your spouse. And the truth is that your kids, as awesome as they are, they will never, ever fill you up and keep you full. They just won't. They're awesome. And God doesn't say, hey, I don't want you to have kids or I don't want you to have money or I don't want you to have any of these other things. Those things are actually good. But the problem is we put a lot of things that are good on the throne of our hearts as opposed to allowing God to be on the throne of our hearts. And God is the only one that can actually fill us up, the only one that can actually sustain us. It's like if you're driving your car and your, your, your tank is out of gas and so you put milk in there, that's not gonna make your gas run or your car run. It's made to run on gas. You were made to run on God. Nothing else is gonna fill you up. And in fact, those things, even those good things, if you depend on them, if you rely on them, they will eventually enslave you in anxiety and addiction. Your dependence will trap you. That's why Martin Luther, he said this wise statement, anything on which your heart relies and depends, I say that is really your God. Now, we're not the only ones that have ever been enslaved by any of these things. This isn't just like a Christian thing or a 21st century thing. This is something that's happened throughout all of human history. And in fact, about 4,000 years ago, the uh, nation of Israel was enslaved. And they were enslaved not by their phones. They didn't have those. Um, they might have, some of them maybe had money idols and stuff like that in their life. Uh, but they were enslaved by the nation of Egypt. And it was not a good deal for them. And they cried out to God and God sent Moses and it was pretty spectacular. Uh, some of you, you've seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and you're like, oh, I know all about that story. Uh, or maybe some of you actually read the Bible, which is even better. Uh, and, uh, and so you know that God used Moses and there's the Ten Plagues and, and uh, God hit, uh, using Moses, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. It was pretty miraculous and spectacular and pretty crazy stuff. And once they got to the other side of the Red Sea, they were free from Pharaoh and from Egypt. But you know what happened? They started to, as they were wandering around in the desert, trying to find this promised land by God, this, this life that they were supposed to live that was full and that was free. As they were wandering around, they started to grumble. They started to say, you know, maybe we should just go back there to Egypt. I know that Pharaoh, he thinks that he's a God because, because he has all the money and all the power. And so he, he just thinks that he's divine. But you know, at least there we had food. At least there we had water. At least there we had like the things that we need. At least there it was easier. At least there we felt more comfortable. At least there, at least there, at least there, maybe we should go back. And God said, look, don't go back. I just set you free. 
And in fact, there was this, this time when they were wandering around in the desert that God led them to Mount Sinai, which is a real mountain. You can actually go there today uh, and led them to this mountain. And God descended upon this mountain in the form of fire and smoke. Crazy, crazy stuff. You should read your Bible. It's nuts in there. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, and so he gave Moses the Ten Commandments on this mountain, and, uh, and these were given to the nation of Israel. And I want to show you what he actually said. I, I think this helps us to think about the commandments a little differently. Because if you're anything like me, growing up in church or, or maybe on the internet, or you heard someone talking about the Ten Commandments, you saw them in a government building sometime, or someone drove a car through them in a government building, whatever. Uh, that was in the news recently. Uh, anyway, uh, maybe you saw the list kind of like we did earlier in, in the message where you saw one through 10. But do you know what God said right before he gave the list? Because if you don't know what he said right before he gave the list, it's hard to know what he actually means by the list. And I want to show you what, what he said. This is what he said on Mount Sinai to his people. He said, then God gave the people all these instructions. And I wish I would have highlighted the word then for you because it says that then, meaning that God had already saved them. He'd already taken them out of their slavery. And then, this is what happened. Then God gave the people these instructions. I am the Lord, your God. Your God. I am your personal God. I have a relationship with you. I'm not just some God that's far off saying, follow these rules. No, I am your God. And I care about our relationship. I'm the Lord, your God, who rescued you. It's not that you, you know, sacrificed enough things on an altar. It's not that you did enough religious things. It's not that you were good enough people. It's that I decided out of my own free will to rescue you because you mean something to me. You are special to me. You are important to me. So I rescued you from the land of Egypt, which was the place of what? Their slavery. You see, God had freedom on the brain when he gave his 10 commandments. And that's why right after this sentence, God says this, you must not have any other God but me. You must not have any other God but me, he says. And he says that not because he's trying to control, not because he's trying to uh, uh, ruin your fun, not because he, he wants anything from you, it's because he wants something for you. He has freedom in mind for you. And so this is what God is saying to you and, and to all of us. And, and if you really are kind of trying to, okay, this is a lot of commandments. That's 10 of them. I'm probably not going to remember them all. What, what's the one I should remember? Well, if you get the first commandment right, you're going to get the rest of them quite naturally. It's no other gods. In other words, this is another easy way to say it. Make God your number one. Make God your number one. When it comes to the throne of your heart, who's sitting there? Who's in charge? Who calls the shots? Make God your number one. When it comes to your calendar, do you build things around God or do you build God time around things? Make God your number one. God wants to be your number one, not because he needs something from you, but because he wants something for you. He wants true freedom. And some of us were like, oh no, it's real freedom when I can choose to watch Netflix whenever I want. But that doesn't actually lead to the things that you need. God wants you to be, to put him on the throne of your heart. So here's how you do it. This is, this is kind of just the practical, uh, practical steps for doing it. The first one uh, we already talked about is no other gods. And that means way more than just not having another religion. Uh, it means having God be on the throne of your heart. And for, for you, uh, for all of you, for all of me too, it's really easy sometimes, I've sat in these seats before, it's really easy 
to hear a message like this and, and to be like, oh, yeah, that was a nice message. He spoke at a reasonable pace and he had a lovely illustration. But to not let, let it sink into your heart, right? Uh, that, I, I get it. I know what that's like. Uh, and so I just want to gently challenge you to actually identify the thing that's in, in your heart that sits on the throne other than God sometimes. The thing that you're tempted towards. For me, it's approval. Uh, for you, it could be a whole number of things. It could be something really good. It could be something really bad. And maybe in the car on the way home, you want to talk about it. Say, hey, what was it for you? What tends to sit on the throne of your heart? What's the thing that just occupies your mind the most? And I, I want you to identify it and, and, and just imagine, what would it be like to just kick them off the throne? What if your kids weren't on the throne of your heart? and God was, and then you could love your kids even more than you were capable of when they were on the throne of your heart. Because God multiplies love and empowers love. And so if you want to make God number one, no other gods. Kick him off the throne and put Jesus on that throne. Number two is don't mess with God's name. It's holy. I would love to just do a whole sermon on this sometime. Just, just the second commandment. It is a big deal. And it means a lot more than don't use God's name as a curse word, right? Uh, and don't use God's name flippantly. And, and sometimes that happens. It just slips out of our mouth that way. And you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is because God is holy. He is set apart. God is unlike anything else in this entire universe. In fact, he's bigger than the universe. He is totally set apart. We could do a whole sermon on, on this idea, especially because have you ever met a Christian who kind of wears the name tag of God? They're a Jesus follower. They wear the cross necklace, but then you look at their life and you look at their relationships and it doesn't look a whole lot like Jesus. You ever met that person? I'll just be honest and say, I've been that person from time to time in my life. But God's name is holy. Whether you're a Christian or not, you were made in the image of God, which means that you were designed to shine his goodness and his love and his character into the world. And when we shine something else in the, into the world, that is not honoring God's name, especially if we're his kids. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect that just means that you have to live by grace and live humbly and, and follow after him. And when you fall, let him pick you back up because when you fall and he picks you back up, that honors his name and what he's done for us on the cross. So don't, don't mess with his name. His name is holy. And the last one in the, these top three commandments, these first three commandments, is to keep the Sabbath holy. Sabbath is a Hebrew word that means to cease, to rest. Uh, and God commands that we have a Sabbath day. Okay, um, I'm going to walk into a minefield for just a second here, um, but I, I just feel like I got to be honest with you. Uh, I am, I'm the youth pastor here at Hope, and I work with our high school students, and uh, occasionally I get to work with our junior high students and be around Hope Kids and VBS and, and all sorts of fun things, and uh, we really care about your kids here at Hope. We really do. We love them so much, uh, and one of the things that we, we have noticed, especially, I'm, I'm talking because I work directly with high school students, uh, our students are stressed. They're just stressed out. They really are. Uh, they have so much pressure to perform. They have so much pressure to, uh, to do all of these things at such a level that it's, it's just crazy. It's just nuts. Their calendars are more full than mine. And I'm a grown man with a full-time job and, and, and all sorts of things. Like that, that's crazy. And they're, they're in high school and they're stressed. 
And some of you, you're kind of pushing back mentally and you're thinking, well, you haven't met my son. He just plays Xbox all the time. Or you haven't met my daughter. She's just on, on, on uh, Snapchat all the time doing duck faces, you know, selfie, right? They're lazy. Do you want to know why they're on those things? Because they're looking for something to fill them up. It's probably because they're stressed out and they recognize that they need a break. But did you know in the third commandment, God did not say, take a break. He said, take a holy break. Take a holy break. Keep the Sabbath holy. Your kids don't just need more space and you don't just need more space, which most of us probably do. And they do need some space, but they need some space that's holy. You were designed to run on God. And your kids and you and me, we, we all need this right here. We need worship. We need to be connected in God's house. That's why we've done everything that we possibly can as a church to make it as easy as possible to get your kids into worship, to get yourself into worship. We have multiple services all through the weekend, all through the week. We have programming for kids uh, and we, we have uh, Hope Kids uh, every Sunday, except for this Sunday. We're taking a break because we're launching next Sunday. It's gonna be awesome. You gotta get them signed up. We got Hope Kids. We got Power Life that's launching uh, on Rally Week as well and Ignition. Uh, we have The Landing. We have uh, Revive for Young Adults. We have uh, Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. There's just so many things. And that's just at the West Des Moines campus. We have multiple campuses and the campuses are growing. The programs are growing. Everything's just like, like we're just trying to create every opportunity that we can so that you cannot just have a break, but you can have a holy break. You need it and your kids need it. Sign them up. Make the time. Make God your number one. Build your calendar around God, not the other way around. Because he wants something for you and for your family, not something from you. God isn't like happier because you came to church. He's happy for you because you came to church. There's one last one. And we're gonna talk about this more next week. You cannot say that you love God if you don't love his kids. One time Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment? And uh, he said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And all the religious people said, yes, yes, this is the right answer. That's correct. And, and then Jesus said, and, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, what? And, what's he adding to this? He said, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's why we as a community we're not going to pretend that God's our number one and not do anything about what's going on in Houston. We're not going to pretend like God's our number one and not do anything for the community that's hurting around us and the people that's hurting around us and the people that are hurting here in our own church body. We are going to reach out and to share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ because God wants you to love his kids. And he wants you to be one of his kids so that you can experience God's love through one another. And that's, so that's why we give. That's why we do buckets of hope. We don't do that so that God will be impressed with our religious works. He's not. Instead, we do it because we're pretty impressed by what Jesus has done for us. There's a mistake that most people make in Christianity. And it's essentially this. They get the cart in front of the horse. 
This is the way that it's supposed to go. This is what the Bible declares. The Bible declares that one, first, God saves you by his grace. That's the first thing that happens. Then God gives you the commands. Then God shows you how to live and how to live free. But do you know what most people do? Most of us, we actually just flip these around. We think, okay, I got to get my life together. As soon as I get my life together, then I can come to God and be like, hey, is it good enough yet? And he'll be like, mm, okay, you're good enough. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God is like. God is not like Gru from Despicable Me. God is much better. God has a free gift for you. God has love for you. God has grace for you first. What you put first, it changes all the rest. God saves you first and then shows you how to live free and to stay free in the same way that God took the nation of Israel out of Egypt first and then gave them the commandments. God wants to take you out of anything that enslaves you. Your death enslaves you. Your sin enslaves you. The evil and the darkness in the world, there's nothing that we can do about it. We can try and we can try, but it's, it's never gone away in all of human history and we need hope. And God saw this. And so, you know what he did is he sent his son to give us hope. And he did that before we got our lives together. And in fact, most of us, we've been following Jesus for quite a while and we still don't have our life together. That's why God starts with grace. What you put first changes the rest. When you make God your number one, it changes the rest. You know, when you make God number one, you know what it looks like? It looks like love. And you know what love does? Love multiplies. My uh, wife is very pregnant right now. <laughs> Any moment, and we've kind of been praying that, I'm preaching tonight too, so we're praying that he just stays in that little belly until six o'clock tonight at least, and then he can come because we're very excited. We're so excited. But he'll decide. He gets to decide when he comes. So, we're, we're just so excited to meet our little boy. This is our first child. And we're so excited to meet him. We love him so much. We wrote him a song and we sing it to him on ukulele every night. Yeah, I know. It's really cute. It's really cute. Uh, and it's just, it's so much fun. And I've never seen his, his face except in an ultrasound. And it was kind of blobby. And uh, I, I've, never, I've never heard him, his voice. I've never, uh, I've only felt him like kick and stuff like that. But every time he does, I'm just like, oh, oh, you're my boy. And I love you. You're awesome. And here's the deal. When he gets out here, I'm going to have some rules for him. But it's not going to be to just control him. It's going to be to flourish him. That he could live a life that's full and free. That he would have what he needs. That he would put first things first. And that would impact the rest in a way that leads to the most freedom possible for him. And you know what else? No matter how good or bad he does with those rules, he already has my love right now. All of it. My whole heart. He has it. And I want you to know this morning that your heavenly father looks at you right now and his love and his affection is for you right now. You do not have to get your life all together in order for him to love you, in order for him to be crazy about you, in order for his heart to melt for you. It already does. It melted so much that he sent his son 
his only son. Some of you have a son and you, you know how much that son or that daughter or that child that, that means to you. And God sent his son for you. Hear that. You probably, hear, if you've come here more than once, you hear this every Sunday, but we say it every Sunday, every Saturday, every day of the week, because it is the truth that it's so hard for our hearts to actually take in. We deflect it all the time, but God loves you. God loves you. When you walk in the room, he goes nuts. He is crazy about you. And it's not because you behave. It's because you're his. He's the Lord your God. And so he sent his son Jesus into the world for, for all of us who don't behave very well, and that's all of us. You can compare yourself to one another, but God doesn't compare us to one another. He compares us to Jesus. And none of us compare to Jesus. And God knew that we needed help, and so he sent Jesus into this, into this world. God put on flesh, and his only son went to a cross he was nailed to that cross and he suffered and he bled and he died on that cross for you and for me so that our enemies would be forgotten, would be put to death. That you can make God your number one again and live in freedom. Grace first, rules that lead to freedom second. What you put first, it impacts the rest. So make God your number one and it'll impact everything.